0: I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. The Duke. And I'm all out of bubblegum.
2: Hello, everyone. My name is Kai Douglas, professional wrestling referee for Evolve Wrestling. And just want to say happy holiday season to everybody out there and anyone that's going through some hard times right now and you're down on your luck just remember that it gets better we all get through it and uh, everything's going to be going to be okay and i'm uh i'm living proof of, proof of that so i hope you guys enjoy my story that i'm here to share with you and uh i'm ready have you always been
3: this positive or, or is this like a new pair of shoes where you've put on recently here
2: I feel like I've uh I've always strived to be to look at the positive things in everything in in all aspects of life. Even when it seems like there's no hope. I always know that it could be worse, you know, I mean things happen, you miss bills payments, stuff like that, but I never really get wrapped up in stuff like that because as long as I'm still I always looked at it like as long as I'm not dead or in jail, I can make up some lost payments or get in a car accident, I can get I can get my car fixed, you know stuff like that. I, I try not to let the small things in life get me down, but recently, I'd say more so. So, I'm so to that, I've always been a positive person, but now it's like on another level.
1: I'm
3: sure that being part of Evolve certainly has a little bit to do with this. I mean, talk to me about this for a second, man, because your your schedule, I know, has just been insane, especially over the last couple of months what is going on with kai douglas and involved wrestling refereeing all these these great stars of yesterday today and
2: tomorrow it's been a blessing a major blessing in disguise um if you would have told me you know three four months ago that this is where i'd be right now i'd call you crazy you know i I believe everything has a chance to happen but I i wouldn't have put myself in this position where i'm at right now it's you know, almost every morning I gotta pinch myself and, and see if this is a dream or not because, the, you know, the people that I've been able, I've been lucky enough to surround myself with and have conversations with and people that have went from the television set to mentors in my real life. It's hard to find words sometimes to, uh, to describe everything, but, but I'm just so, so grateful. I can't talk about gratitude enough
3: who were some of the folks that you see pass through the Evolve locker room who we see on TV on a a normal basis?
2: You know, I met Gabe at my my WWN tryout back in August. And, you know, obviously I knew of him before that. Getting to work with him and seeing how he's a genius when it comes to to booking, you know, storylines and every small detail of a match. At the same time as, you know, I see him more often now, I, I still... I'll, I'll always look at him as the wrestling genius that was behind so many great promotions over the years, and I'm just thankful to work with him. And then, you know, working part time here and there at NXT, uh, just seeing guys like who have been a, a, a real big help to me, like you know, senior official Drake. He's he's just been he. I don't know if he even knows this, but he's just been a blessing in my life because. You know, I'm, b- I'm very new to refereeing and even before I knew I wanted to be a referee, I always caught myself paying more attention to guys like him and D.A. Brewer and Daryl Sharma and just, you know, like I used to watch wrestling matches as I'm watching the moves and I find myself more and more just staring at them the whole time. You know what I mean? And I've always admired the NXT refs are in shape and very professional and presentable and that's what I've always strived for in my whole life. So just having guys like that that you know, I talk to on a weekly basis and I interact with and I can go to with questions and stuff. It's it's just a blessing cuz just watching on TV and and being in the in the spot where I'm at now, it's it, it's amazing to be able to have that kind of support and this mentorship.
3: You brought up something that really blows my mind. I mean, you say that you're new to refereeing, which it's hard to tell when, when folks see you in action there because you definitely know what you're doing and you've been doing a great job and really have been a, a enhancement to the matches that we see in Evolve and Evolve and some of the other promotions that are connected to the WWN. I, I want to take a step back, though. I want to take a step yes. back because your story in general does not start here at being a referee and i know even for myself personally i i recognize your face i didn't necessarily remember the name but i knew the face I'm like i've seen this guy before and and i feel like this guy wrestled before let's take a step back you actually are, are a trained professional wrestler and you, and you you went to a school and got your start years ago let's talk about that when did you break into the wrestling business initially
2: Yes, many, many years ago, <laughs> almost two decades ago, uh back in say 1990, oh no, it was two decades, 1999 actually. Um I'm I'm originally from the Cleveland, Ohio area. My father used to take me to, you know, local indie shows when I was a kid and you know, I'd started out from just 14, 15 year old fan, you know, not being able to do anything on the show obviously because I wasn't 18 but you know getting to slowly go from you know helping set up the chairs to passing out flyers becoming ended up becoming part of the ring crew at 16 just doing anything that i could to be a part of the business and that eventually led to me taking the step even further to train because ever since i went to my first wwf live event Back in uh, 1992, I believe it was. Uh, I've just been a fan. I've always known that I wanted to be a part of this business. But going back to the training, yeah, I trained in the uh, the back of an old billiards hall in Massillon, Ohio. So if anyone out there is from Ohio, you know that's around the Akron, the Akron-Canton area. That's such a, and, that's
3: such a, a pro wrestling thing to say. You, tra- you, you trained in the back of a billiards hall of all places. Yeah.
2: Right.
3: That's <laughs> a big performance center. That's some, some fancy state of the art gym in the back of a pool hall where, where, you know, pool sharks were hustling each other. And, you know, maybe somebody got a pool cue upside of the head. Who knows? What have you there?
2: Most because likely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
3: but <laughs> there you guys are bumping <laughs> in the back of this place there, uh, trying to achieve a dream of becoming pro wrestlers, huh?
2: Right. Yeah. Humble beginnings for sure. Um, I wouldn't trade any of it, though. You know.
3: So how? So you you went through school, and then you hit the indie scene, right? I mean, you started wrestling after that.
2: Yeah, I started wrestling in uh, in the Cleveland area. did a Did a little bit of stuff in uh, West Virginia, down in Weirton, West Virginia. Mostly with uh, a couple of my buddies that I was with, started working matches together. And since we were in different cities and states, and in front of new people you know, we did a lot of the same stuff being super green as I was and never really got out of the color green, (laughs) but, uh, but yeah, just, uh, so that was, that was really nice to be able to have people to go through that with, because we could change some things up here and there and, uh, and always in, in front of a new set of eyes. So that was a good way to ease into it, I think. And being in such a small market helped with the comfort level and, because, you know, mistakes are going to happen. It's a guarantee in this business. Uh, sure, sure. And, perfect. And we, so That's really, you know, it's reminiscent of the old territory
3: days where we, we used to call them uh, dance partners, so to speak. I mean, that's the idea. Exactly. Or you, you were married to this person and you could feud all over the place. And because if it wasn't on TV and the Internet back then wasn't what it is today, so, you know, chances are yep. people didn't realize that you could be having the same exact match, or you could be having slightly different matches, but, you know, the same outcome, what have you, in four, five, six different states, and no one would know. It'd be new to them.
2: So that's, uh, right. that's, pretty, that's a great way to learn. Especially, you know? like, back in, you know, the Ric Flair days and stuff. You know, people sure. some people don't realize how many times that those matches that they saw on TV had happened other places. Hundreds of times more. Yeah. Right, without without cell phone cameras and stuff like that to capture it. So sure. sure. It's definitely nice and it's a, it's a comfortable. Th- it's a comfort thing to be able to hone your craft with a certain opponent or multiple opponents
3: when you broke into the business. That was a time period that I like to call the golden age of indie wrestling. Yeah, so many people were breaking into the scene and they were innovators. The wrestlers themselves got a little smaller. Uh, so a lot of the things that we take for granted today, I mean, you look at a guy like, say, uh, Daniel Bryan, for instance. He's a, a fairly average-sized person, yet this guy's headlining WrestleMania, and he? he's world champion and what have you. Uh, it was mm-hmm. really during that late 90s, early 2000 period where you had more wrestlers who were six feet and, and, and a little bit under, let's say, between 5'7 and, and, say, six, one that was a sweet spot for people with that build. And they were really breaking the mold and coming through the ceiling, so to speak here. Um, who were some of the names that you worked that people would be familiar with when you were just breaking into the business?
2: Uh, back then we had a lot of, um, in the uh, Northeast Ohio area, we ran a lot of shows. And I was really lucky to work for a promotion that brought in a lot of guys from, Other promotions, um, guys like, you know, Batista, before he was Batista. Um, I got to work with legends such as King Kong Bundy, Jimmy Snuka, Greg uh, the Hammer Valentine, um, the Iron Sheik, who stole my roll of uh, athletic tape when I was 16. I still remember that, by the way. He owes me a roll of tape. (laughs)
3: <laughs> well, he might break uh, your back and make you humble, so make sure you don't actually say that too loud there. I don't I don't want to. <laughs>
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> keep the tape. Keep the tape. I, I got more since then. <laughs> so, so <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, I think. Legends there, huh? Yeah, Legends and, um, you know, back when ECW was at, you know, super hot. We had a lot of those guys in, you know. had to work with Chris Candido and um, Rhino. And I just I was fortunate to work for a promotion that would bring these guys in you know I got to work with Jerry the King Waller and the cat back when they were you know at the top of their when they were together doing their thing um so just to be able to sit in the locker rooms as uh not not like a young kid but as a as a teenager getting ready to continue to you know work on the stream. I just, I couldn't be more blessed to be a part of and be around people like that, you know. Especially people that I grew up watching on TV, you know, from the Bushwhackers to, you know, and these guys slowly becoming good friends of mine over the years. It's just, it's kind of mind-blowing. But, uh, yeah, lots of uh, lots of outside talent, and uh, it really helped. I think that really helped our whole area as far as the indie guys and the smaller guys like you mentioned. Um, just giving them some hope and some encouragement, some advice, and working with us. Yeah. And man, not absolutely. being, you know, super, you know, big headed or anything. Everyone I've always worked with has always been beyond a pleasure to work with. So, very lucky.
3: And for the ecosystem of pro wrestling, it's so important to have, I mean, that's why when people get fancy or, or, or upset about um oh this wrestler got released or that wrestler got released from a major promotion. In all honesty, that's the circle of life in pro wrestling. I mean when, when somebody is no longer on the big T V show and they get to go back on the Indies and you know they can scout talents, they can help the next generation of wrestler get better, just being around them like you said, in the locker room, hearing stories, getting critiques, or even being in the ring if you're fortunate enough to do that with somebody who has been to the big time and who has something to pass down uh that's just invaluable stuff there that's that's great on-the-job training so to speak um so it's not it's yeah. a bad thing when people you know it, it, the, the business is always going to recycle itself and it's always going to replenish and what have you and that's one of the best ways to do it so again you were a, a fan growing up your dad took you to the matches you decided to pursue this dream of becoming a pro wrestler, so you went and got training wherever you could find it, which was in the back of a pool hall. Uh, mm-hmm. Then you you managed to work your way onto cards and legitimate cards where you were in there with legends. I mean, literally, hall of famers were in the same locker room and at times in the ring with you, which is just right. incredible, especially for a young person who's breaking into the business. So you're at that level, man, where it's like, okay, you know, this thing might actually work out. But then something changed, and you decided to go a different way, and you decided to take a step away from this big dream that you had of of being a pro wrestler. What made you decide to put this dream, to put this love affair of pro wrestling down and go do something else?
2: Well, in high school in uh my my freshman year, so this was about the same time I was getting, you know, when I started training and stuff like that in the wrestling business, about, you know, 15, 16 years old. Um my grades were never really good in high school. Um I always wanted to I always wanted to play football too. That was my other my other dream, and I was never I was never eligible for the team, you know, my my freshman year, my sophomore year. I was always, I don't know if I, I just never tried to apply myself, I guess. I was always more concerned with, I guess, wrestling and, and other things that interested me, but, um, so to to shorten that up, so my junior year of high school, I finally became eligible to play football. I don't know if it was just a quick transition or I just, I got out of wrestling as much and started paying attention more to football now that i was able to do that and I was getting older and stuff and you know looking back sometimes I I regret it cuz you know I don't know where I could be right now at this point in my life in wrestling if I didn't do that but I'm also a big believer in everything happens for a reason so back to the football thing um so I got out of that I played I played my junior senior year you know I had dreams of going to the NFL um did some camps for some semi-pro teams in the arena league, uh, down in Columbus, Ohio, and just pursued that for a while. And when that didn't work, I kind of just kept going with life, you know, and opened up my own business. I started my own company, um, grew that pretty big and just started, I guess, settling on the fact that that was a chapter of my life that was over and gone. And, I was totally okay with it at the time, but, uh, I moved down here to Florida the first time and I was, uh, blessed enough to, I, I lived in Clearwater beach, which a lot of people might know is it's a large wrestling area. You know, you got, you know, Hulk Hogan down here. I worked out with, uh, the bushwhacker Luke at his gym I worked with a lot of guys that were current roster members of Impact at the time. This is back probably around 2010, 2011. Um, so that kind of started bringing me back into wrestling because it was gone for a little while. So getting to work with these guys and, you know, being invited backstage to Impact tapings and stuff like that when they were shooting at Universal Studios here in Orlando. Um, and just, you know, always being on the road, just Being one of the boys, but really having absolutely no role in the show or any promotions kind of got me back into falling in love with the wrestling business. So I feel like moving down here was a a huge rekindling of that that flame for me.
3: Your first love, you know, you both went your separate ways, and you flirted with other other, uh, folks out there. You got to see what's out there in the world. And then you run into your first love again, pro wrestling, and you realize, well, damn, I still kind of, I still kind of have feelings for that first love, you
2: know. <laughs> right, never went away.
3: That itch, yeah, never went away. In fact, you know that the fire is, is is starting to burn a little bit more again. But yet, you did not immediately try to come back. So you continue to pursue this personal business thing that you were doing, and then, for some reason, the, the business didn't work out, which is literally. Something that I can, the majority of people who've ever started a business can relate to, the ups and downs of building your own thing, of managing your own thing, and especially the first go-around, there are so many challenges that you go through, and especially if you're pouring your own money into it, if you're literally bankrolling everything, like this is is what I do, this is my life, Mm -hmm. Um, it doesn't take much for it to fall apart. And unfortunately, yeah. you did.
2: Yeah, um, the business didn't. Um, and, you know, the business was, was going great. It was We were growing at a very rapid pace. Um, I owned the business with my girlfriend at the time, who, you know, I had every intention of marrying. You know, I was my best friend, my soulmate, and everything like that. And, you know, one day this past, or this this last summer... She decided she just didn't want to do it anymore. She didn't feel the same way about me anymore. And, uh, it was a really rough time for me. I, I, so the business was in her name. So, you know, she packed up the business. I, I lost my business. I lost my house, lost my best friend. I lost my puppy. Um, so everything kind of like at a snap of a finger kind of came to a, to a grinding stop for me. Um, in June of this year, actually, about so six months ago. Wow. Uh, uh, so the the, the, the
3: the feelings, you still know what that feels like intimately because it wasn't that long ago. This isn't something that happened three, four years ago, ten years ago. This is something that literally just happened.
2: You could see Yeah, something you know, I still I go through every day still uh, to this day. So, I mean, it's definitely been rough. Let, let me ask
3: you a off. question, Guy. Okay. Let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. When people say rock bottom, I think that sometimes we take it for granted because there are different rock bottoms for different situations and and everybody has their own rock bottom. Like you said, you lost your girlfriend, you lost your house, you lost your dog, you lost this business, something that you were putting everything into, just like all those other aspects there. Was that rock bottom for you?
2: Um, Yeah, that was definitely my lowest point like I said, because everything kind of happens so fast. It's like we were riding high one day and then the next day, you know, I'm, I'm out of everything, you know, thank God I had my truck. You know, I, I lived in my truck for a while. Uh, I, I was doing construction back in Cleveland where I'm from. Uh, we we're doing some renovation projects. we were doing a, a build in, a, in an abandoned Toys R Us warehouse. So luckily I had the key to that so I'd sleep there sometimes in the in an old abandoned Toys R Us building and it was it was dark man it was it was pretty it was pretty hard you know trying to find things to do during the day because I didn't have a a, a place to go back to so I would go you know to a park and I would I would go hiking or I'd go for a run and just you know, I'd go to Planet Fitness and take a shower because I had a membership there, but just not having anywhere to go back to, um, it, it was tough. It was, it was really tough. But luckily, it didn't last that long because, you know, as I'm sure we'll get into the next part of my story, my blessing came along, you know, a month or two, about a month later. So my rock bottom didn't last more than three, four weeks, but. It seems like three or four years, you know, when every when every minute seems like an hour and stuff like that.
3: How do you keep your head above water when so many things have just fallen apart in such a, a short amount of time? Like your your entire life changed instantly. Mm-hmm. How did you keep your head above water during that month or so?
1: Well,
2: it was really hard. I mean, I'd like to say that I, I stayed positive, like I am now, and for the most part, I think I did. But obviously, that you know, the sunshine personality can 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 go away sometimes when you're dealing with some certain things. But I've always been a big believer in you know the universe, and you know, if you put yourself out there and you and you set your intentions and you work hard, I've always been a I've always prided myself on my work ethic. I've always been a really hard worker, and I so I, I knew maybe in the in the farthest back corner of my mind that it was going to be okay. But it, it, it definitely that that three four weeks it was it was a trying time for me. Um, you know, I didn't have the money to just get up and go. I had a job, I had a truck, and my brother still lived in Ohio, so. You know, I could sometimes go over there and crash on his couch from time to time, but it was definitely hard.
3: So you've gone through all of that. Three, four weeks of just a complete, your life was just turned upside down. And then for some reason, you turned back to your first love. How did you find your way back to pro wrestling and, and and what was it that made you decide you know something I'm going to go down this road again I'm going to see where this leads what happened
2: So I love this story um so when you know everything kind of fell apart and you know I lost my business and everything you know I just I, I knew I needed I didn't really want to face people um friends and stuff like that so what I did is I deleted all I deleted my all my social media stuff. So I lost contact with a lot of people and you know I didn't want anyone to see me in a vulnerable position like that that I was in or or ask questions cuz I wasn't ready to talk at the time. Um so like I said I wiped all my old social media out and then a few weeks later, you know, I decided uh my brother and I took a trip to Colorado to do some hiking just to kind of clear my head, a very last-minute trip. So I decided, you know, I'm going to start a new social media and stuff, and this is going to be my post-chapter, you know what I mean, The, the, the time after the struggle and all that. So as I'm sitting there, I'm on Instagram, and I'm trying to remember, like, some of the pages I used to follow just so I could kind of get back to where I was, like, the things I'm interested in. And the WWN was one of them. And at this point, I had no idea. I, I'd never met anyone from WWN. I lived in Florida before, but I never knew anyone from WWN or anything like that. So, But I just remembered. That's one of the ones I remembered for some reason popped in my head that I followed. So I happened to click on their website that day. And at the very bottom in smaller font was um, Summer... 2019 recruitment camp and it was to be held in port ritchie florida in mid-august of this year and it was almost like a cartoon light bulb you know when i read that it went off and i said this 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 is a sign you know because this is what i always wanted to do i kind of settled for starting that business and stuff because i knew it's what she wanted and you know making her happy made me happy but once i i knew it was just me on this ride from here on out i said i'm gonna i'm gonna do this there's a reason it popped up it's a, there's a reason i remembered that exact instagram handle and i clicked it and then i clicked on the website in their bio for whatever reason so uh so it comes up it's this camp it's uh there's an application, so I filled out the application i'm thinking I'm thinking I'm not gonna hear anything back or I'm not gonna get accepted because you know it's been almost you know two decades since I've had a match eighteen years it's been twenty since I've trained. I said well you know it's it's worth a shot, so i never I never forget I'm sitting on the I went to the gym the next day, I'm sitting on the bench press I'm in between sets, and I reached down and grabbed my phone and I have a notification, I have an email from Gabe Sapolsky, and, like, my heart stopped. (laughs) So I opened the email, and it said, Congratulations, we just want to let you know you've been accepted to be a part of this seminar, this um, recruitment camp. And I couldn't believe it, like, like, reading that for the first time, I don't know how many times I read it after that, probably a hundred, but it was like, that was like the turning point even after even after that, you know, I got you know I read all the details of the of the email and I come to find out the camp is seven hundred ninety nine dollars and I don't think I even had a hundred to my name at the time. I'm like, ah, oh, too good to be true, right? So luckily, um, at the time, the, the construction company I was working for, a, a friend of mine, you know, he was my boss, but he was a good friend of mine, almost like a father figure to me. I went to him and I told him, look, this is, this is a blessing. This is a sign. I know this is a sign from the universe. I said, is there any way I could borrow the money and just work it off? You know, maybe instead of you giving me my full 40 hours, you give me 20 and put the other 20 towards what I owe you or something like that. And he was just all for it. He he wanted to see me. He hated losing me because I was his best worker, and I was you know always reliable and he could always count on me and stuff, but he knew that i, I needed this i think I think he knew that I needed this. I can't speak for him, but uh he gave me the money i I decided that I'm gonna do this full blast so instead of just coming down to Florida to do the camp, I decided i I packed everything I owned in my truck I was working we like i said before we were we we're doing construction remodels and stuff we did we did a lot of stuff for u-haul so i was able to get a storage unit for a few months for free and keep all my stuff because like i said i didn't have a house anymore and uh, so i packed everything in my truck and i moved down here to florida to do this I, I arrived the day before the camp started i spent a little bit of money i had left on airbnb and you know, i wanted to be close to the venue i went i went in with every intention of this is this is part of my story this is the next thing I got to do, and uh, I did the camp with Gabe, a lot of the NXT talent, we had Shayna Baszler there, we had William Regal, Coach Robbie Brookside, uh, Sean Hayes, the strength and conditioning coach for the WWE Performance Center, so many different people from the role of WWE there, so I mean, it really could have been an $8,000 camp and it would have been worth it, but... You know the knowledge I learned from that seminar. So, you know, I never I never was a ref before. So when they asked me what you know what am I going out for a ref, wrestler, or manager? And I said referee makes the most sense to me. I'm I'm now 34 years old. I'm not young. I'm not in my 20s anymore. Um, the more soul searching I've done, I'm really big into meditation and and self reflecting and stuff like that with with that diminished more of my my ego you know i don't i don't really have the ego i had anymore i i don't care to be famous i don't care to be rich i care to be i care to go to a job every day that i'm excited to get up to do so i said i think referee might be uh a good goal for me you know i'm not i'm five, seven five, eight. i'm not a huge guy um I feel like I looked a lot like what the referees in NXT kind of looked like and I like I said before that's always inspired those guys have always inspired me because they weren't your, your typical sloppy or or small wimpy looking guys like I, I said I could I could really see myself being like like a Drake you know Drake's always he was an inspiration to me before I met him and uh so yeah so I went down that path and never rough a day in my life um kind of was just going off of what i saw on television and so i got through the camp we did it was a long grueling three-day camp um everything from seminars to drills you know did all the same drills as the wrestlers and after the third day came up you know it was time to close out the camp everyone said their thank yous and their goodbyes and everything and I remember sitting in the locker room thinking, okay, camp's over. I live in Florida now for no reason at all. <laughs> I said, okay, now I'm just here. What, what comes next? So I was getting a little kind of confused. And Trevin Adams, who is the announcer and the ambassador for the World Wrestling Network, he pulled me to the side. He goes, hey, you live here. You live in Florida, right? I go, Yeah. And he goes, How would you like to come do some refereeing for American Combat Wrestling, which is ACW, which is our Florida brand of the WWN. So it's all we're all under the same WWN family, you know, Trump with Evolve and Shine and everybody. And I said, Man, that would be amazing. You know, just I just want some reps. You know, I don't I just want some experience. So I owe a lot to him and I tell him this every day. I told him this yesterday after we were coming home from Shine in Chicago. I said, if it wasn't for you pulling me to the side that day. I really don't know where I'd be right now. I would have had a heck of a $800 experience and then that probably would have been it. And I probably would have been back to doing something I don't like. He kind of put me, he gave me my start and, uh, and it's been a blessing since then. So learning to ref on the fly.
3: In the past, seven months all of this has happened (laughs) like this isn't something that happened a decade ago this is this is real life this is what's happening right now
2: so august so like what four months four months and since then you've been used steadily right you you've been you've been refereeing all over the
3: wwn for the most part there down there in florida
2: and yeah every wednesday yeah
3: and you've even been in, in NXT and, and you've gotten to go backstage and see what's going on there and you remind me so much, your story at least, you remind me so much of uh Tommaso Ciampa. A guy that he's an undersized guy, he broke into the to the business around that same golden age of indie wrestling, busted mm-hmm. his butt. Now his story is slightly different in the sense that he actually he stayed with it, and he made it to the WWE, which I'm sure you would have done as well if you would have stayed in the business when you first started, because clearly you're just a talented guy. He stayed with it, and he made it to the WWE, and then they released him. And that was his rock bottom. This this dream that he had worked so hard for, that he put his entire life toward everything, everything. He ate, slept, and breathed wrestling, and he made it, to the point where he was in the number one company, and then for whatever reason, it just wasn't the right time for him, they got rid of him. He attempted suicide. Mm -hmm. That was his rock bottom. The man didn't know what there was to live for anymore. He took some time. He got got the help that he needed and what have you, and and he, he refocused himself, and he rebuilt himself, and he rededicated himself. And now... He's the face of of NXT, literally, you know, the most exciting wrestling brand to come around in in the past 10 years. Mm -hmm. And he's been an NXT champion. He's, He's literally back in the WWE family, and he is a key figure. He is somebody that people are genuinely excited to see. He's had matches of the year. I mean, just an incredible story of, of, having a dream, working your way up to it, losing everything, dusting yourself off, and somehow, some way, finding the resolve to get back on the road and, and give yourself back to it. That's Chiampa's right. story, and ironically, that's Kai Douglas' story.
2: And it's funny you said that because um, Tommaso has done more for me in the last three months um, including that camp, but then he'll ever know. I see Tommaso now more than I see my own family, um, and that's it's awesome. I, I I tell him all the time when I'm at NXT, you know, I go to him for advice. I'm not just training or diet or just life stuff, you know, and, and he he said something to me back in August that has always stuck with me, and he calls it one body and one name. You only get one body and you only get one name. Doing the things you have to do to take care of your body, and doing th- or not doing things that will put a bad reputation on your name, because in this business, well, I'm sure in a lot of businesses, you know, you you get a bad reputation, people don't want to work with you, and stuff like that. So, that's one thing that I always took from him, and I think I speak for everybody out Evolve all when I say we're very blessed to have. Tomaso with us all the time every time we have a show he's there he's backstage he's helping guys put together their matches he's giving people advice on things and uh I just I can't be I can't say enough good things about Tommaso and what he's done for me personally and professionally um so to hear that story that you just told me which I'll be honest I did not know it just it it makes perfect sense though that you said it cuz he's just an amazing dude and i i owe him a lot
3: you talked about the universe and how you're into that sort of thing and and i'll tell you me personally i am as well uh, you know books like the secret and some of these other publications out there they touch upon it but the idea is you get what you put out in the world You know, Mm -hmm. if you put out positive energy, somehow, some way, positive energy is going to come back to you. And you attract what you put out. So it's really interesting to hear you say that Tommaso Ciampa is somebody who has been, you know, very helpful and, and, you know, like a mentor to you. Because, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, again, you two have such a, a, a similar story and it's it's not an unusual story it's a pro wrestling story it's a life story yeah you no know? but definitely. the fact that you guys have have found a way to bond and you somehow have gotten yourself under his learning tree so to speak you get what you put out man and that is a great person to connect with as, as, as often as you can and you certainly are taking advantage of it which is great because right. you know, it was just he is class personified and, and an inspiration
2: and Kai Douglas, you are as well. I I know that people who are listening,
3: you know, our our audience is vast. We have everybody from the average kid in in school who's still trying to figure things out to retired pro wrestlers and everybody in between listen to the show Mm -hmm. and what have you. And I'm sure they're going to find inspiration hearing your story. Um,
2: You're on social media. You're back on you know, you, yeah. <laughs> you decided not to be dark any
3: longer. You've you've kind of opened yourself back up a little bit there. Uh, if anyone listening wants to continue to follow your journey, and if they want to continue to to support you, be a fan of you, and, and even you know sometimes give you some encouragement, reach out, cheer you on, what have you. What's the best way that they can keep up with you uh, online? What's what's the social media that you like to plug?
2: Um, I'm most active on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is at Kai Douglas, WWN. Um, and my Facebook also, uh, it's uh, Stephen Kai Douglas F, uh, with a V, Stephen with a V. Life's precious. Take a, every picture and every video you can, you know, and experience this ride. I, I post a lot of, you know, inspirational stuff and stuff about my, my personal spiritual journey. And it's funny, I was talking to somebody earlier this morning that reached out to me, thanking me for being an inspiration to them and telling me all this stuff they've done because they saw what I do on my my page. And that's like a compliment that money can't buy. And I Just the fact that people, even if one person I can inspire to do better or or get out of a depressed state or something like that, but the fact that I'm I'm getting these messages more often now. It, it truly is humbling to me. Um like I said before like I work really hard every day to diminish my ego. I'm not I'm not looking for praise. I'm not looking for you know for the first few months of my new career, I I worked for free. I I don't care about the money. Money comes and goes. Um I care about building lasting relationships inspiring other people and helping people. I just, I feel like the world would be a lot better place if people, everyone kind of encourages each other more than tearing them down.
4: I can't think of a better way to kick off this holiday episode of the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast than having somebody like Kai Douglas. You know, he's an evolved wrestling referee, and that's great. But someone with such a, a great inspirational story, incredible story, to choose to come on this podcast and to deliver that message, that positive message reminding all of you, reminding me that no matter what happens in life, no matter how tough it can get, you'll pull through and you got to believe that and Kai Douglas is a person that is living proof that it is possible and it can be done You just have to find a way to believe that yourself. I mean, just, man, thank you, Kai Douglas, for choosing to share that incredible story here. Really, I mean, I got goosebumps. There are moments there. I got a little misty eye. I'm not ashamed to admit that. I mean, just a, a really, really heartwarming story. Some real tough falls, and this guy is just tearing it up now. All the referee stuff he's doing, he's getting noticed, he's out there. A lot of our favorite folks that we see on TV each week, they've taken a liking to Kai and and they're mentoring him. And I'll tell you, it's something that I said to him before, uh, you get what you put out in life. And when you're putting out so much positive energy and you're putting out so much inspiration for others and you're helping others, you're going to get it back in return. But that's also true if you're putting out, you know, things where you're trying to hurt others or what have you. Yeah, you'll probably get that back in return as well. But Kai Douglas is definitely one of the good guys there. And I'm so happy again and so appreciative that he joined us this week. Hey, folks. Merry Christmas. Uh, Happy Hanukkah. Everything else in between. Kwanzaa. Festivus. You name it. That's right. That's right. We are there, baby. We are all the way there. So, you know, hopefully you got all your shopping done and you made sure that you wrapped your presents and all that good stuff, gift cards, you name it. If you're still shop kicking out there, hopefully you got all your shop kick points redeemed. So you're going out there and getting some extra stuff, maybe for yourself. You know, the best time, in my opinion, to do shopping for yourself is directly after Christmas. Because the sales, especially on the things, items that have been returned by people who just don't want them, I mean, basically new stuff, it's a great time to save a buck and you can get what you really want out there. So, you know, but that's why I always say it's great to give a gift card, like a, a credit card company gift card or a mall gift card. Forget about specific store stuff. Get, get folks gift cards, man. And I know it sounds, some of you, oh, I want to give them a real present. It is a real present. You know why? If you give me a $10 gift card, especially around this time of year, I can take that $10 gift card and get $50, $60 worth of of stuff just because of sales and couponing and things that I do. I can flip that. So think about that for a second. You can really help somebody get what they really need and want if you just give them a gift card. So just keep that in mind. That's right. That's right. Listen, on today's episode... I got something special for you. So we started off with Kai Douglas and that inspirational story. Again, really appreciate that guy. A little later, I'm going to play for you one of my favorite interviews of all time. It was one that we did a couple years ago, myself and the Boston Bad Boy. We had the Duke of Dorchester, Pete Darty, you know, his former WWF uh, superstar. We had him on the show and he was just incredible. And I'm going to share some background story, stuff that I've never really shared before in detail I'm going to give you the background about that interview, so stay tuned. But before we get to any of that, once again, thank you, everybody, for all the great birthday wishes. I really appreciated it last week. In fact, I have a couple more messages in my inbox that I'm going to play. And you know what? Why even belabor the point? I got something special here from WOW Superhero star Amber O'Neill. Okay, from Grits and Glam with uh, Jesse Jones. We'll play Amber right now.
5: Happy birthday, Duke! We love everything you do for wrestling and wow, superheroes!
4: You are a superhero. Enjoy your day. Thank you so much, Amber O'Neill. That's my homegirl, man. She's cool as hell. Her and Jesse, just really, really great folks. So appreciative of everything that they do because they're just great competitors and even better people uh, behind the scenes. And I, I really appreciated the friendship with, with both of them. Just really solid people, you know. I'm going to tell you who's not solid. I got a punk. I got a punk in my inbox. And he's one of those, those, those Boston Red Sox people. Okay, one of the voices of Boston Red Sox. Yeah, those Boston Red Sox. Having the audacity to send me the following message on my birthday. And I, I kind of contemplated if I was going to play this or not, but you know what? It's evidence. It's evidence. So I'm going to play this message right now. Hold on one second.
2: Hey, what's up? This is Yuri Berenger, play-by-play announcer for the Boston Red Sox. I'm just calling to wish the Duke a very happy birthday. Yo, Duke, bro,
1: deep down inside, man, I know you love that dirty water. I know you're the biggest Red Sox fan in town, biggest Red Sox fan I know, Since you can't shut your mouth about us, I know you love us.
2: Hey, bro. All joking aside, Feliz cumpleaños, Take care.
4: Can you believe this guy? Yuri, I'm telling you right now, I can't wait for the Major League Baseball season to begin so my Yankees, my New York Yankees, can kick the Red Sox butt. And I'm not going to let you forget it, especially after you've done this to me. How dare you! How dare you send me a message like that on International Duke Day? How dare you bring hard times to the entire Duke world? I don't even understand you, man. I'm telling you right now, the Yankees are going to kick the Red Sox butt, and it will be on your head. I'm putting a new Babe Ruth curse on the Boston Red Sox because Yuri sent me that ridiculous birthday message. You got it right there, Jack. That's right. That's right. Hold on. The, the, the Duke Loves Wrestling hotline phone is ringing there. Hold on one second.
5: Hi, Doug. How are you doing? This is Sofia Lopez, the World's Greatest Attorney.
3: Sofia Lopez, I am doing fantastic, especially uh, hearing from you. What's going on?
5: Well, you know, I take care of my clients. So I just wanted to wish you a Merry Christmas.
3: Oh, thank you very, very much, and, and Merry Christmas to you as well. Feliz Navidad right, uh, <laughs> to you as well. And you know what? I'm so glad that you called me. Sofia Lopez, the world's greatest attorney. So many great things have started to happen to me ever since you decided to be my pro bono attorney. In fact, I want to thank you, and I'm glad you called in. I want to thank you over the air for setting me up with that special meeting with the Pope. What a great birthday gift that was, that you were able to introduce me to your friend the Pope. And I got a chance to spend some time with him. So thank you very much, Sofia Lopez.
5: You're welcome. You know, if you are around me, you're going to have your VIP treatment. You're going to have friends in high places. And I'm so happy. I'm waiting for you to come and visit us here in Mexico so I can introduce you to the former president of Mexico, Vicente Fox, or another celebrity.
3: You know, I would love that. In fact, you know, I, I know down in Mexico they have some great television shows, and you know, Sofia, listen, I, I'm a I'm a really big star here in the making. Do you think you could pull some strings and get me on one of those uh, telenovelas or something? You know, help me become a big soap opera star.
5: Of course. I mean, how is your Spanish? ¿Cómo está tu español?
3: Bien. Ah, uh, muy piquito.
5: don't worry so we just need you to get you a dial coach maybe i need one for my for my accent and then you're gonna be speaking perfect Spanish and i'm gonna be speaking my perfect English
3: (laughs) you see that you see that everybody once again the world's greatest attorney Sophia Lopez she looks out for her clients she takes care of us and that's why i'm so happy to have her Uh, Sophia before i let you go this this Sam Smart, while superheroes, you know, we, we wrapped up season two. It was fantastic. Can't wait to see what's going to happen with season three. But this Sam Smart hasn't stopped talking trash online. How, how is the the lawsuit coming? I mean, is there anything we can sue her for and, and, and get her straightened out real quick?
5: Yeah, of course. You know, the defamation of honor and another couple of things, and she. She, I think she just playing everyone, because for her, not being on the, inside the ring and not having, like, a full mask, she feels, like, strong, and she feels like she can talk bad about everyone, but just wait. Little by little, they're going to take care of her. If she's not on the court, the other restless, because she's talking bad about everyone. So I know that it's just girls that are waiting for her to be inside that ring, and then they'll give her a lesson.
3: Well, I can't wait to see that lesson because she certainly needs one. In fact, that'll be the only time when she's high IQ, when somebody brings her in the ring and teaches her a lesson, that's for sure. Listen, Sophia, what's the best way that – the fans can reach out to you and follow you online and what have you because I'll tell you, you, you post so often. Your content is so great. You are so beautiful and fabulous. It's just so fun to follow you online as well. So tell everybody, how, how can they reach you?
1: Follow
5: me on wow underscore Sophia Lopez. That's for my Instagram account. And yeah, you know, I really like. To hear about the fans, to hear about everyone out there. I love my Instagram family. Also, I love my Twitter family. And on Twitter, yeah. also, you guys can find me as WowieSofia. Let me give you the stack account. And thank you for saying about the content. I really think on every post because I want to give a message. Like, um, one of my latest uh, posts on Instagram. It was about, I realized how in the old times, you know, the gladiators existed, and they used to fight for their lives, and I realized that wrestlers are doing the same thing, and of course, they fight for a belt, and for another kind of surviving, but I just thought it was amazing how, even on time, we kind of do same things, maybe not as brutal, where... Uh, but the still has the same effect on the fans, on the people. Like We get excited when we see the wrestlers in the ring, like in the old times, the like gladiators. And back then, they used to love, you know, the blood and everything. But now, it's more about the honor, you know, the strength. So, guys, just follow me. I love this post. You guys are going to have fun with me. And on Twitter, I'm um, at. It's while we Sophia.
3: Her name is Sophia Lopez. She is the world's greatest attorney. Once again, Sophia Lopez, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Thank you very much.
5: Likewise. Feliz Navidad y feliz año nuevo, Duke. And keep with your podcast, which I love, and thank you for everything. God bless you.
4: How great is that? The world's greatest attorney, Sofia Lopez, taking time out of her amazing schedule. She is so busy. You know, she's a star. She's working on TV shows out down in Mexico. She's on Wild Superheroes. She's helping me sue everybody that I got a problem with. I mean, Sofia Lopez is just great. And again, you know, introducing me to the Pope, I mean... Come on, that's no small feat there. It's a big deal. So, again, thank you, Sofia Lopez. We're going to take down that no-good Sam Smart. We're definitely going to do that together. There's no two ways about it. That's right. Okay, folks, I promised you something special. A blast from the past. A couple years ago, I had w- former WWE wrestler and commentator, the Duke of Dorchester, Pete Darty, Had him on the show. Now, Dorchester is, a- is the largest neighborhood in in the city of Boston, Massachusetts, okay? And Pete Daugherty was so proud of being from Dorchester. That's why he made that part of his his wrestling name. And the guy is still a local legend. Everyone loves him, what have you. So I spoke to Pete, and he agreed to come on the show. And let me tell you something. What a lot of people don't know, he he mentioned during this interview, and you're going to hear this, that he had a surgery coming up. Not long after the interview. This was a life-threatening surgery, folks. And there were some people who didn't know if Pete was going to make it out on the other side there or not. Now, thankfully, Pete is still kicking. He's still going strong, you know, still doing well and what have you. Thank goodness. But at the time, it was a little dicey. So, when the Boston Bad Boy and I were conducting this interview with Pete, both of us front of mind realized the fact that this very well could be the last interview that this guy ever does for one reason or another. If that surgery didn't go the right way, goodness gracious. And because of that, it was such an emotional moment and the entire thing i mean we were we were laughing and joking and lifting the spirits and what have you just having fun talking about stuff and you'll hear all of that but just keep keep in the front of your mind we're talking to somebody who literally was facing their own mortality at the moment while he was having an interview and even at the end the way that we ended it i can't help but feel like that was almost a goodbye to everybody Which was really, really haunting at the time. And just, you know, I mean, again, brought tears to my, it made me cry. Absolutely did. Because having to face your own mortality, especially when you're somebody who has lived such a a great life and still has more life to to live, you feel like you have more, more in the tank, as Mark Henry would say. That was a tough one. But again, folks, he's still around. He's still with us. Pete Daugherty's still kicking, still going strong, loving his family and all that good stuff there. So keep that in mind. But without further ado, here is a classic Duke Loves Wrestling interview with the one, the only, former WWF wrestler and commentator, the Duke of Dorchester, Pete Daugherty.
1: Hey, this is the Duke of Dorchester, Pete Daugherty, born and raised in Dorchester, Massachusetts. Yeah. Wow.
4: wow, you see that? The Duke of Dorchester. The Duke of Dorchester. Pete Doherty. oh my goodness, Some... it is an honor to have a local legend on the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast.
1: Well, I'm pleased to be here, I'll tell you that. Yes, I, I tell you, it's pleasing
0: me to talk to a real Duke, not the fake all Duke right. I get to talk to all the time. <laughs> my goodness,
4: you see all this. All right, all right, bad boy. And That's a guy cool. from Dorchester. That's right, real Dorchester. <laughs> I too. have to
0: ask, were you one of the friends of Eddie Coyle? Because I feel Uh-oh. like you would have fit Uh-oh. right in there.
1: Uh, no, I wasn't, but I know who you're talking
0: about. <laughs> <to. laughs> That's an insider uh, scoop I, I right know,
1: there. Uh, I did know Whitey Bulger oh. Uh-oh. Uh, from South Boston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, that crew, I knew some of them, you know. I'm well, sorry to hear
4: it. Well, those guys must have loved you, right? I mean, come on, you were a local <laughs> yeah. legend there. Yeah, in
1: fact, uh, one time I said, to, this is a true story, I said, to, hey, Whitey, uh, look at I'm wrestling in Boston Garden tonight. Here yeah, I'll give you give you a couple of tickets and right up front. He says, Duke, I don't need <laughs> <in> them anytime, <laughs> and I don't pay anything. <laughs> I just like that he said, "Hey,
0: Whitey." I don't know how many no, people said that and yeah. got away with it. Yeah, well, <laughs> he you don't mention the Duke or Dorchester. I'm telling
4: you, I'm telling. You. So, uh, du- yeah. Duke, you had a hell of a career though, because you started off uh, in the WWF event, senior, right?
1: Oh yeah, I. I started off, uh, let me see, uh, with WWE and WWF, with Vince Sr. And then when Vince Sr. passed away, uh, Vince Jr. took over. Mm -hmm. And Vince Jr., uh, I said to him one day, uh, uh, "Look, I'd like to be able to keep my name, the Duke of Dorchester. And he says, no problem duke we want to keep it that way also you know just everything uh, going the same way wow so uh we uh let me see we i traveled with wwe wwf all the way to kuwait Ooh. wow we wrestled there in kuwait and uh it was it was just fantastic we wrestled in a uh a soccer stadium <laughs> it held over a hundred thousand people Whoa. It, the, I think the actual thing is like sixty thousand
4: yeah but they have uh, more seats
1: standing room and then you got people climbing over the walls, it was, it was just
0: unbelievable that's crazy i got i want to ask you so when you're when you're working in that era when you're working for the wwe under vince senior who are the guys you're hanging around with who's your crew who are the other names of uh, the, the guys oh. that you worked with
1: George the animal steel of course, oh, of course. legendary all right Haystack Calhoun. Oh, big man. Yes, sir. <laughs> oh, the big man. Oh, God. But those are two huge uh, Larry names. Larry Sharp.
4: Oh, yeah, of course. From New Jersey. I, he was Iron Mike Sharp's uh, father, right? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's true. That's true, yeah.
0: See? So what was it oh, like back then? How did, you know, you guys traveling from place to place, you know, you're, you're, you're really oh, working. It's not like the sort of glamorous TV gigs they got right now. Exactly. Give us a taste we, of what that's like.
1: We would go through a car every year. <laughs> when I first started, yeah. I started with a brand-new 1971 LTD convertible, Oh, all right? So being a good guy, uh, uh, the promoter asked me, Hey, would you pick up Andre the Giant <laughs> of course. at Logan Airport? <laughs> of course, of course. Because yeah, we're wrestling up in Saugus somewhere, you know? And uh, I said, Sure, I'll do that. So I go over. I pick up Andre. But Andre's got his, his buddy with him, Frank Ravo.
4: Yep. And
1: uh, he's he's another 300. Pounds. <laughs> yeah, at so least. They're both sitting on the right side of the car. <laughs> Andre's in the front with his head, <laughs> like, put the top down, the, <laughs> put the lid down, <laughs> and his head sticking up. And the other guy there, boom. And the car is going down at a, a tilt on the right. <laughs> okay? all right so when we finally get there they get out and my car still stayed that way
0: all the- <laughs> oh man <laughs> shocks have gone the whole nine yards
1: Shocks
0: I, I love the idea of bringing that car into the mechanic and he goes what the hell happened you yeah. go you'll never believe yeah i aren't picked up on the giant? giant at the <laughs> airport
1: hey, that, am i covered under warranty? Yeah, exactly
0: <laughs> right. exactly
1: so oh yeah that, that was cool but uh so that, that was like uh, in those days we had to drive everywhere. Yeah, you know, down to Philadelphia, do TV down there at, at Allentown in Hamburg, Pennsylvania. Oof! And then all the guys um, would drive over to uh, whatever town we were scheduled or booked to go uh, wrestling, mm. and you just drive everywhere and everyone went through a car every year.
4: Hey, Duke, let me ask you, why why was the Cape such a hot spot for the, the the old WWF? You you guys did a lot of shows on the Cape, which I was surprised when I was looking through the records to see that.
1: Yeah, because Vince McMahon Jr., he owned the, uh, what do you call that?
4: Not the yeah. Metal League, what is it, the Metal League tent? The, co- the Coliseum? The Coliseum, yeah, he owned that. Wow. Really? I didn't know that. Oh, wow, look at that. Yeah
0: he owned that. and that was a beautiful building wasn't it in the summertime no windows uh, no air conditioning
1: <laughs> no, no yeah it was no. a real sweat that <laughs> uh, the, uh, but we we always packed them in there McMahon loved the place and all that there but it was only good for the summertime he, he wanted something year round oh. so uh, he only uh, I think he only held on to that for like two years and then he sold that wow and he made a bundle on that too but, uh,
4: tell us between the two of them, Vince McMahon Jr. and Vince McMahon Sr., which one did you uh, get along with the best and why?
1: Uh, I'll tell you what, I got along good with both of them. Yep. Vince McMahon Sr., uh, what a gentleman. I mean, uh, really class gen- class act, you know? Mm-hmm. Never raised his voice, never said nothing. Vince Jr., though, you <laughs> piss him off, he will scream boogey. <laughs> you know? but then it settles down and everything got become copacetic, Of know? course, of course. <laughs> you like them fancy words, baby? Yeah, hey, listen,
4: <laughs> we're talking to the Duke of Dorchester, Pete Daugherty here, the, the man. Yeah. Now, now, you were on the very first Saturday night's main event, all right, NBC, where they, they, they uh, Saturday Night Live took a hiatus and you guys were in the spot there. Now, you wrestled Junkyard Dog that night, right?
1: The JYD, yes, yeah. sir. What was that like? <laughs> JYD was was pretty cool. The, it was easy, and being that uh, that we were the, like the first show on, uh, and I think I was the uh, first match.
4: Yes, too. sir. <laughs> How's that so, for history?
1: So all you fantastic. So all I all my job was is to get up and pump the crowd, <laughs> and I used to. Uh, uh, sometimes I would show uh, the number one finger, mm. showing everyone I was number one. That's
4: right. That's right. <laughs> With the blonde hair. That's right. <laughs>
1: oh, oh yeah, that went over big time. That got a lot of heat. But I'll tell you what, on that number one Dlo I did that in Kuwait.
4: Mm. Oh, oh <laughs> I'm sure that
0: did that not go is over a well. a
1: bad thing to do in Kuwait. Yes, sir. They were ready to kill me. Wow. All. Oh. Jesus.
0: So we're talking about uh, making. No, go ahead. Finish a, up.
1: It's a, it's a obscene gesture over there. Yep. And as well as here, but it really has a bad con, you know, bad vibe.
4: You're lucky you got out alive there, Pete. I, I am. I am.
2: <laughs>
0: so you you make history on this national broadcast. Something that goes on to become this this historic, famous thing for the WWE and, 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 and for wrestling in general. It's sort of the MTV moment for wrestling, where right. it really jumps into mainstream. You're a guy that comes from sort of before that, the old school style, It transitioning to this new school. What is there a difference when you're wrestling for TV versus wrestling just to pump the crowd up?
1: Uh, wrestling for TV is, you, you know, you're only out there for like, uh, say, t- a 10-minute match. Mm-hmm. So in that 10 minutes, you got to tell the whole story about what you're doing. Sure. You know? And as opposed as in, uh, out on the road, in a match out on the road, you have more time and more access mm-hmm. and mm. able to do more. Whereas you got to screen, uh, squeeze all that in there on the uh, program, the NBC program. Remember, I'm, I am 74 years old.
0: Listen, age is just a number. And, yeah, and
1: <laughs> you know. Sometimes, sometimes I kind of, uh, you guys are gonna have to help me out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Duke claims to be a young man, but if you had to sit here and look at him. You would say, I think would he's aged. Stop? He hasn't aged well. Would I'll you just say stop?
4: that? I mean, you're a wise guy over <laughs> here. Jeez. Embarrassed <laughs> me in well, front I'll of, tell you of what. Dorchons.
1: One reason why I grow this beard yeah. is because everywhere I go, not everywhere I go, but I look younger than what I really am.
0: That's right. You're talking Almost. to two bearded men, too. So no, I, think, no, you, yeah, I think we're I think on the onto same something. boat here, brother.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you
4: know? Well, see, it's it's funny. Tell them the Boston bad boy story here. So So the Boston bad boy is named after a a previous Boston bad boy. Tony Rumble. Yeah. Do you remember Tony Rumble from the old ICW? I don't remember
1: him too well. I've heard of
4: him. The the Savolis, they ran the uh, ICW there. Uh, Joe Savoli and his father there. Angelo Savoli. Angelo, yeah. Angelo's the the old man there. So so, uh, Rumble took over right after them. And oh. and he would always wear a Bruins jacket. He, he'd wear a headband that said Boston on it. He was Boston through and through, just like yourself. You were Dor- Duke yeah. of Dorchester there. So the Boston bad boy
0: here, he's like a homage to uh, Tony Rumble. Oh, cool. Yeah, you know, it's like Duke gave me this name because I don't keep up with the modern wrestling. I got to tell you that, Duke. You know, it's the yeah. old school stuff for me. This modern stuff, it's like a soap opera. I don't get time for it. So he's. I said, I need a good name. Get me someone lined up, someone classic. And I said, Boston Bad Boy. Clearly, that's, that's it. me. That's who. Because he is. I, yeah. you know, someone's going to be the bad boy in this situation.
1: <laughs> well, well, uh, I, the way I got my name was through uh, Chief J. Strongbow.
4: Oh, hi, Chief. You know? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Tell us about yeah, that.
1: And uh, what it is? Uh, we were wrestling in, uh, I believe, in Attleboro. And at the time, I was working in the uh, shipyard. At uh, General Dynamics at uh, Four River and Quincy. Yes,
4: sir. The old factories uh, yeah, there. Yep.
1: Yeah. And uh, so I was late getting to the match, and I and the chief. I come walking in, and the, and the chief said, "Well, with I won't say the word." <laughs> 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 you know, well, if it ain't the F in Duke. Of Dorchester,
0: <laughs> look at that! Your <laughs> reputation preceded you. <laughs> nice.
1: If he only knew, right? If he only yeah. knew. Oh, yeah. see, oh, I tell you, we all just started laughing, unreal. And then uh, some of the guys said, "Hey, you know that sounds pretty damn good. You yeah, ought, you got to keep it." Yeah. So the exactly Chief J. Strongbow gave me that name.
4: What well, see, it's yeah. it's little moments like that that could carry you for the rest of your career. Because I'm going to tell you right now, Pete. Uh, As a young child growing up and being a huge wrestling fan, I I knew of Ric Flair and Hogan and all that. But all the local guys would always say, "No, you got to watch the Duke of Dorchester. You got this is a local guy. You have to support him. He's OFD, originally from Dorchester, just like you. You can't be a wrestling fan if you don't support Pete Doherty." And and that was it. That turned me to a fan. Fantastic!
1: I love that. Yeah. yeah so oh, you, that's
0: great you made this great transition later on in your career from from the ring you did the tv thing you broke ground there and then yeah. you took a turn in the as a commentator what is that like yeah. how do you how do you make that switch and you know from in the ring and then now you're you're helping the guys out on, in the what booth
1: it, what it what it was with vince uh jr he liked that boston accent
0: like <laughs> yeah. his, who doesn't know? course the ladies uh, love it am i right Duke? the ladies love it that's right so
1: so he says, look at i want you to do uh ringside announcing all right alongside with gorilla monsoon Hmm. so him and i were doing the uh uh ringside announcing we were doing that and we were really getting over real good and then uh, stupid me i said well You know, I'm getting tired of doing the uh, announcing. Now, this is where you make mistakes in life. Yeah. Well, it ain't a a bad mistake, but you you should have made a decision, should have thought it out a lot better than what you did. I did. So I decided to go back wrestling. Yeah. Bad move. Bad move. (laughs) And then uh, after a while, I said, you know, something. I'm going to give up wrestling altogether because yep. I was just getting too damn old.
4: Well, well, here's the crazy part, there, Pete. You were in the first um, Saturday night's main event, but you were also in the first um, pay per view version of the King of the Ring. You wrestled Bret Hart in the King of the Ring. You remember that?
1: Uh, Bret Hart. Yeah, I remember Bret. Yeah. But, you, uh, uh, the King of the Ring.
4: You oh. substituted for somebody who, for whatever reason, they couldn't wrestle that night, and you were in that first pay-per-view of the King of the Ring, which is a strange... Oh. Literally, we're talking almost 20 years from when you started out with Saturday Night's Main Event. So it's right. interesting that the company used you throughout those periods of time. They knew they could count on you.
1: Yeah, i th- that's true. I, I was there 20 years. Yes, sir.
0: And, I got to... I gotta say, I love the Duke of Dorchester. Be like oh, Bret Hart. Yeah, I may have wrestled him. Yeah,
1: right. You have know, you have forgotten more
0: great matches than most people will have in a career. That's right, and that's, that's, that's pretty amazing. That's right.
1: <laughs> I have to agree with you. Yes, sir. Yes, and sir. so,
0: speaking of matches, one of your final big matches, we know you pinned King Haku at the Boston Garden. It's the dream of every Boston boy to play at the Garden. Whether it's uh, the Celtics, whether it's the Bruins, whether it's the Ice Capades. I mean, you did it, and you did it more badass. You were wrestling. What is that like? What is that like in front of the hometown crowd?
1: I'm going to tell you, it is really fantastic to wrestle in your own hometown in a great uh, arena like the Boston Garden. Now, this
0: is the old Boston Garden. This is the the obstructed view. There's a lot of cigar smoke. Mm.
1: Oh, and a lot of a lot of cans (laughs) flying (laughs) in the ring. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Bottles, wine bottles. That's right. And it, like uh, one day, uh, Stan, a man, Stasiak, Yep. he's in the middle of the ring, and all I can see is bottles and cans flying by, by, and then all of a sudden, this thing hits him right in the leg. You could see him grab his leg, his thigh, Oof. and uh, it was a dart. Some nut
0: threw no. a dart. Jesus.
1: Are you <laughs> <Yeah>. kidding
0: me? <laughs> I mean, the bottles weren't bad enough. Yeah, I no, know, darts. darts at and, them.
1: That that was the final start, and Vince McMahon, uh, senior and junior, uh, they said, "Okay, from now on, we want security yep. at all all the gates coming in, and at all of as they're going through the uh, turnstiles or whatever." And he says, "We want all bottles and cans confiscated." You know?
4: Wow! And
1: that's that's began with really when wrestling. You could go in and bring your kid and not worry about getting beaten by a bottle or something or a can. And then then it really uh, shaped up good going into it. Well,
4: thank goodness uh, for that. And listen, shout out to uh, Sean Stasiak, Stan the man Stasiak's son. You know, he's been in the business for a while there too now, uh, Duke. Stan's little boy there. He ended up yeah. making making into the WWE and, and well, all that good stuff there. Sean that-
1: That's good. Good for Sean.
0: So i got to ask you, I mean, just going back to the Haku thing, this guy was known for being tough in the ring. Can you take this guy? Could you take this guy in your day? Yeah, I could. (laughs)
1: Matter of fact. Matter of fact. I love it. That is awesome. Hey, remember, I I was trained by the best. guy named Jim Peckham. He was the Olympic wrestling coach, and he taught at some uh, fancy college right there in downtown Boston. Uh Uh-oh. And he taught me how to put a hole on, how to counter the hole, and how to reverse it and put it on the other guy.
4: So you were a shooter, right? basically. You, you, you I, were a I, shooter. Yeah,
1: I was a shooter. Yes, sir. And that's another reason why I didn't have to worry about a, anything. Once yep. they all found out I was a shooter, then you you, you you treated that guy with respect.
4: That's right. Or you would have, you would have yeah. twisted him up yeah. in knots, right?
1: Bob, Bob Backlund. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Yep, yep. You know? Yep and uh several other guys shooters yeah unbelievable
0: you know I, I i love the idea in my mind this match at the boston garden the guy doing the call is johnny
1: most yeah. and he's saying
0: here comes king Haku <laughs> and the Duke of Dorchester." I and i think my i think if we make the movie that's how it's going to have to be yeah
1: yeah i love it you know i I, I didn't think of that, but now you say that. I'm saying, Jesus, that's just how I sound like. <laughs> and that, that's a thrill. Yeah,
4: that's an honor to yes sir. You know? yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> now, Duke, we, we know that you have a, a, a battle that you, you have going on right now where you're going to kick out at two at least there. Uh, you, you got a surgery coming up, right?
1: Yeah, on uh, December 7th, Pearl Harbor Day.
4: Yes, sir. Yes, sir.
1: Uh, I'm going in the hospital for an operation uh, at the uh, uh, Falmouth Hospital. It was supposed to have been just a, uh, maybe a one-day thing, but now they said, no, this is going to take a whole week because we have to keep you under uh, under. Uh, my, surveillance <laughs> <laughs> of course what a word?
0: observation yep <laughs>
4: observation
1: yep. yeah hey, a word.
4: <laughs> do, do you have any words of encouragement for anybody else who may be going through something like that where they got to go under for a few days or what have you
1: uh i tell you what i i got a great family i have two daughters lisa and linda i've got a fabulous wife joan and they support me a hundred percent on this here operation that i'm going in to have that's yes, right and they're giving me a lot of confidence and uh, as well as the doctors that are doing the job
4: yes sir yes yeah, sir so
1: uh, anyone going into such a situation like this here just think positive absolutely you no
0: know? that's just
1: always think positive
0: that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And I got to say, if, if you if you're confident about taking Haku, I, I don't think you have anything to worry about anyway. That's right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. I mean, this is yeah. this uh, is too. this is easy peasy. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah.
4: <laughs> Listen, before we let you go, Duke. Yes. Yeah. And I was telling you this before when we when we spoke uh, a couple of days ago. There is a Facebook uh, group that is dedicated to you, where literally you got a whole bunch of your your fans that talk to each other and they, they share old pictures and some of your old matches yeah. and what have you. Uh, they're going to be listening to this this interview here. So if you have any words for the guys who are keeping the, yes, the Duke do. of Dorchester alive, please, go right ahead.
1: I think I know who it is. I think it's the guy running it is Pete Randu. Mm-hmm. And uh, he is a fan, fantastic guy. He has been to every match... When he was a kid at the uh, Jack Witches in Attleboro, mm. and then when at Jack Witches moved over to the Providence Civic Center, him and his buddy were there all the time, all the time. Uh, they were just fans that I cannot believe. And that's who I think this year is running this year. And I, I, ta- I want to tell them from the bottom of my heart, I thank both of them. Fantastic. Fantastic.
4: Good stuff. Good stuff.
1: His buddy was Joe Brunette from uh, New Jersey. And the two of them were always at the shows. Fantastic.
4: Wow. Wow. Well, that just goes to show the type of uh, impact that you've had on all of us uh, as fans there. And and truly, uh, Pete Doherty, Duke of Dorchester, from the bottom of my heart, on behalf of all of your fans, we just want to let you know that... We thank you. We thank your family for sharing oh. you with us and inspiring us for you know for so long and, and truly we love you, man.
1: Hey, I appreciate it. I really do. I'm honored to just to come and talk here and say be able to say password back to all the fans that have been so grateful to me and my family and professional wrestling. Thank you. I really do. You guys are fabulous. So with that, shall I say good night? The Duke of Dorchester is leaving. You hear me, baby? I'm leaving the F in Building Yeah.
4: Once again, just beautiful. Beautiful stuff, man. I just I listened to that interview. Since it's happened, I've probably listened to it at least three or four times a year. And it just because it's, again, the emotional side of what was going on behind the scenes. Everybody not knowing whether or not. I mean, that that could have been the last interview you ever did. And because of that. It was just. It was emotional. Seriously. But again, folks, it's a reminder, especially during the holidays, that. Focus on what's most important, right? If you're still here, that means you have a chance to to make life even better for yourself and the people that you care about the most, right? No matter what's happened. And don't think for one second that it can't get better because it will. It can and it will. You just got to believe that. This is a time of year where a lot of folks have some challenges. You know, not everybody has a family to go to. Not everybody has a roof over their head. Not everybody's getting a consistent warm meal. Remember that, please. Which is part of the reason why patience with one another is so important at times. That doesn't mean you let people take advantage of you. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to let anybody take advantage of me, and I wouldn't prescribe that you do that either. But be reasonable, right? When you have family members who are having challenges, just keep that in the back of your head. And act accordingly, based on that fact, right? That goes for everybody else, too. So, between uh, Kai Douglas and, and the Duke of Dorchester, world's greatest attorney, Sophia Lopez... Amber O'Neal of Grits and Glam, you know, the Wild Superheroes tag team there. And yes, even Yuri from the Boston Red Sox. Listen, I appreciate everybody, Boston Bad Boy, appreciate everybody, all of you listeners, for continuing to tune in to this great program. We've had so much growth, and we're going to continue to grow because that's because of you. You tell me what you want, we deliver. That's right. That's right. Okay, listen, I'm going to let you go for now. Join me next week. It'll be the last episode of the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast of 2019. I got some special guests lined up. Got some things to talk about. Oh, before I go, I want to give a shout out to my my long-lost cousin. My long-lost cousin, Rhea Ripley. Okay, Rhea Ripley is the new NXT Women's Champion. A lot of folks don't know this, but Rhea Ripley's family... Their last name is Bennett, which you know I'm a Bennett, so we're cousins. Okay, it's a fact. We're cousins. Somehow, some way, we're cousins. Listen, I've done 23andMe. I'm sure if you look at my DNA and you look at Rhea Ripley's DNA, there's a there's a chance that we're cousins. So that's it. As far as I'm concerned, we're a long lost family, and we're not long and lost anymore because Rhea Ripley, the Duke, is telling you right now, cousin. Congratulations. I'm coming over. I I expect you to have a gift for me. Uh, Hopefully, it's like a a new Rhea Ripley t-shirt, or you could just give me the NXT Women's Championship. I'm not a woman, but that doesn't mean I won't carry around that belt and let the world know that I feel like a champion. That's right. Rhea Ripley, the whole Ripley Bennett family. That's right. We're all united, baby. You better believe it. Okay, folks, until then, be kind to yourselves. Be kind to others. Take it away, Tony Schiavone. This is Tony Schiavone, and we're definitely out of time on Duke Love Wrestling.